Hey, this is Stephen, and I want to welcome you or welcome you back to the Grove Church Podcast. For more information or to find more resources like this one, be sure to visit us at grove.org. Thanks for listening, and I hope the following message is encouraging and meaningful to your life. So if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we have played a video to start our sermon, and it was a song that you just heard. And so after five weeks of this same little clip, I was like, I kind of want to hear the whole song. And so I was like, hey, Michael, could you and the band at least play the song? And so how about one more hand clap for our band? They do such a good job each and every week. Well, I want to welcome you here to The Grove. My name's Stephen. I'm the pastor here. And we are so glad that you are spending just a little bit of your Thanksgiving weekend with us. I noticed a couple extra pairs of sweatpants this morning. So good for you on making the most of your Thanksgiving meals. But we're glad that you are here. We are finally, after 47 weeks, wrapping up our sermon series on the book of Nehemiah, the longest book in the Bible, or so it feels like, maybe just just me, but we are at the end of this sermon series, and so today we're going to talk about how the story ends, and at least how the story ends for our purposes, because what we've been talking about over the last five weeks is a man named Nehemiah and this wall that he has been trying to build. And so if you have missed a couple of weeks, or if you have forgotten, or if you have just been distracted during the sermons, all that's fine and good. I'm going to give you a quick recap. Here's the point. In 30 seconds-ish, the city of Jerusalem, the walls were destroyed. That was a big problem. And the reason it was a big problem was because without walls, the city couldn't flourish. And if the city couldn't flourish, the city couldn't do its job of creating an environment that allowed people to come back into relationship with God. God couldn't use a city that didn't exist. And God wanted to use Jerusalem and use his people to bless the entire world. Nehemiah knew this. Nehemiah saw that this was a problem and recognized that the only way that God was gonna be able to use the people of Israel ever again is if they restored the walls, created a place for people to come home, and allowed God to work in and through the Jews. So we're going to pick up at that point, and here's how the story ends. And what we're going to be looking at is how they celebrate all that God has done in their lives and all that they knew, hoped, and believed that God would do through them going forward. And from that, it's going to help inform us on what we should do with the rest of our morning together. So let's jump in to the 12th chapter of Nehemiah. When it was time for the dedication of Jerusalem's wall. Now, they had built the wall. People had come home. Because they were able to come home, they were able to recommit to their relationship with God. All of this was exactly what they were supposed to do. All of this was exactly what Nehemiah was hoping would happen. But that wasn't the end of what they were supposed to do. What they were supposed to do through the end of this entire process was then stop and acknowledge the work of God in their life. And so they decided that the way that they would do this, the way that they were going to acknowledge God's presence, God's activity in their life throughout this process of rebuilding the walls, restoring the city, and returning them into relationship with God, was they were going to dedicate the walls. And the reason that you dedicate something is to acknowledge that it exists for a separate purpose, for a distinct purpose, for a specific purpose. 
like we talked about, there was a reason the walls were important. And so Nehemiah recognized that it was important to remind everybody why the walls mattered, why these walls were important, and that they would serve as a continual reminder of all that God had done, but also all that God would do in the future. Now, they decided that they were going to dedicate the walls. But to do this, they had to kind of get some things in order. They had to make sure that the dedication was a proper celebration. And so this is what they did. They sought out the Levites in order to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with joy, with thanks and singing, and with cymbals, harps, and lyres. Now, the Levites, they were the professional church people. They were the people that took care of the temple. They were the people that performed the ceremonies. They were the ones that would lead the singing. And so if you were going to have a, a proper party, the music really matters. The soundtrack or the playlist that you build matters. The band that you hire matters. Just like this morning, our music makes a difference. The quality of the music informs the quality of the celebration. We had to make sure we had some symbols this morning. It's biblical. Symbols are biblical for all of you organ people. Just saying. But the Jews, they wanted to have a proper party. They wanted to take time to acknowledge what God had done. And so they wanted to dedicate the walls. And to do that, they had to go find the people who were really good at celebrating. And so they bring the Levites in. And so then they have all the priests and the Levites gather together. and say, okay, we're all here. You're here. What's next? And so the priests and the Levites, they purify themselves. They purify the people, the gates, and the wall. Now, this ritual of purification was acknowledging that apart from God, we can't do anything. It was saying that we have to become more like God to be able to be used by God. And so there are things in our lives, there are patterns that we have been living, there are choices, behaviors, thoughts, feelings, actions that often get in the way of us being able to be used by God. It's that line from, from come thou fount, that prone to wander. When we wander in our lives, it's hard for God to use us. And so the priests and the Levites knew this. And so they gather people together and they purify them. And they say, listen, you're supposed to be holy. And that word holy, we don't use a lot these days, but that word holy means to be set apart, to be set for a specific purpose. And so what we see here is that what they were trying to do with the walls was exactly what they were trying to do with themselves, to be reminded that they existed for a specific reason. They existed for a specific purpose. And that purpose was simple, to be used by God to bring people home. So we're going to dedicate the walls. We're going to make sure the walls are holy. We're going to make sure we're holy so that God can use us as best as God is able. Because it's only through God that we'll be able to do anything in this world. It is only through the power and the activity of God in our lives that we're able to live and eat and move and breathe and do all of the things. And so they knew this, they recognized this. So they gathered everybody together and said, listen, the walls have a purpose, but just like the walls have a purpose, you have a purpose. It wasn't just about building the walls, but it was about rebuilding the people into the people of God. 
brick by brick, person by person, we're building something that God can use to bring people home. And so then, Nehemiah says, okay, now that we're ready, now that we're prayed up, now that we've sung all the songs, we're reminded that we're holy, that we're set apart for a specific reason, he brings the leaders together and he stands them up at the top of the wall and then he organizes two groups of people and they do something really important. First, they, they purify themselves. They're reminded that they need to be like God. And then the second thing that they do is they give thanks. They stop and take a moment and say, it's not just about all that is going to happen. We're ready to go, God, put us to work. They stop and they say, no. There has been so much that's happened in our lives that we have to stop and we have to give thanks for. We have to press pause before we go forward and we have to look back and see the work of God in and throughout each one of us and throughout our lives. And I think that's where we are this morning. We're right at this point in the story. We have these walls that we've built. This church is two years old. We are excited about what God is going to do in it and through us. But before we can move forward, before we finish and dedicate these walls and dedicate this building and dedicate our work, we have to stop and give thanks for all that God has done. All of the lives that God has transformed, all of the relationships that God has healed, all of the children that God has brought into this place, all of the marriages all of the jobs, all of the sickness that has been healed, all of the ways that we are better today because of God's evidence of work in our lives. We have to stop and acknowledge that. It's not just about going forward, but it's about looking back to see what has already happened and say, God, you're good. You have already done so much. You have already done so much that we have to be thankful for. For many of us, we didn't have a church home before this place. Or we had a place and we'd kind of go, but we weren't really invested. Or we didn't really have a community of people. We didn't have friends that we could talk about our faith. And over the last two years, look at all of the blessings that God has given us. All of the ways God is at work in our life. And in work in the lives of our loved ones. And so we have to do what Nehemiah encouraged and urged the people of Israel to do. We have to stop and give thanks. And then this is what happens next. The first group went in procession on the wall toward the right. And the second group went in procession to the left. They had to go by the walls. They had to walk around the walls. There's something about coming in contact with the walls that solidified for them why the walls existed what God was calling them to do and the presence of God at work in all of that. And then both of the groups who gave thanks, all of those people who had passed by the walls, they gathered back together and they stood in God's house. They passed by the walls, they're reminded of God's work, they're reminded of their calling, the purpose that God has for their lives, why the walls exist in the first place. And then they gather back together in God's house. Just like we've done this morning. And then, 
they offered a great sacrifice and they rejoiced for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The reason that they make a great sacrifice is because of everything that had already happened, because of their awareness of God's work in their life, because of their willingness to be used by God for God's purpose and for their appreciation and joy for God's presence in their lives. The sacrifice is the outpouring of the gratitude that we experience in our own lives. The sacrifice is an outpouring of the work that we acknowledge that God has done in us and God has done around us and God has done for us. The people that I find who have the hardest times giving a sacrifice are the ones who are most disconnected from the work of God in their life. I find that the people who truly understand and appreciate what God has done for them, what God is doing with them, and the way God is loving and caring and blessing for the people in their lives are the ones who seem to be the most willing and the most comfortable with sacrificing for God because they recognize God's work and activity in the world and God's work and activity in their world. And the same is true for the people of Israel. There were no sacrifices before this. There was no giving. There was no celebrating. There was no thanksgiving. There was no joy. None of this existed until the begin to see God's work in their life. And when they begin to recognize and acknowledge God's work, they begin to turn their hearts and to shift their focus and attitude, not towards all that they need and all that they want and all that they were trying to do and acquire in the world, but towards all that God had already done for them and all that God was doing with them. And so they offered a great sacrifice and they rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with a great joy. And here's how the story ends for us. And the sound of the joy in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. And the sound of the joy in Jerusalem could be heard from far away. Could you imagine... how people would experience us if our joy was so loud that they could hear from far away? If our acknowledgement of what God was doing in our life and what God was wanting to do with us in this community, could you imagine how great our joy could be if we truly were able to grab hold of all that God was doing and then truly appreciate and acknowledge that, that work in our life? if we were to truly, truly celebrate all that God had done for us, the joy would be deafening. It would be contagious. And it would impact and affect every single relationship that we have. Gosh, you're in a good mood today. Yeah. But your life is terrible. Yeah. Why? Because God's been good to me. You just lost your job. How can you be smiling? It's okay. I have enough. God's faithful. God's going to keep working in my life. You just lost a pregnancy. Again, it's okay. God loves me. God is with me. I know that God is working in my life. You have to move across the country, and you don't want to go. It's okay. 
God has good things for me. I trust God. God has been faithful in the past. God will be faithful in the future. If only we could be a people of that kind of joy, a people that connected to God's work in our life, a people that connected to all that God has done for us, and better yet, all that God wants to do with us and through us. The joy could be heard from far, far away. That's the church that I hope that we are. That's the church that I want us to be as we move forward in this world. From today going forward, what if we were a people that our joy was deafening, that we were ambassadors of the work of God in this world, that we recognized that God wanted to work in us and work through us, and we were willing to partner with God? That's part of what this commitment is about this morning. Part of it is about giving a great sacrifice to acknowledge what God has already done for us. But the other part of the commitment is to acknowledge what God can do with us and through us when we say, God, we're all in. As we begin to think about the moment that's coming, as we invite you down to the front, I want you to take a moment if you have one already, if you don't, you can reach out in front of you in the seat back, but to take that envelope and to take that card and to look at it. And maybe you filled yours out. Maybe you're still thinking about what you would put on it. Even if at this moment, all you can put on it is your name. What that says is that you acknowledge all that God has done. By saying you're all in, you're acknowledging that God has been good to you that God has been at work in your life and you're willing for God to use you going forward. So I'm gonna say a prayer for us. And as I say this prayer, I want you to pray over the card that you're holding to reflect on maybe what God is calling you to do, to reflect on what God is calling you to give, to reflect on how God is wanting to use you in this year. Let me pray for us. Gracious and loving God, we come to you in this moment acknowledging that you have always been at work in our life. Long before we could see it, long before we could recognize it, God, you were there. And God, we acknowledge that you have done so many good things for us. God, if we were to actually stop and try to count, we couldn't. You are so faithful and you are so good to us, even in ways that we're not even aware were you. And so for all of your goodness, God, and all of your faithfulness, we thank you. And that word thank you seems so simple. God, it seems too simple. But God, we are so grateful for the way that you are willing and wanting to use us as your people. Just like the walls of Jerusalem and just like the people of Jerusalem, God, may you work through us so that we can help bring others home, to bring them into a relationship with you so that they too can become aware of all that you have done with them, all that you have done for them, and the way that you want to use them as well. 
God, this is a special moment in the life of this church. God, this is a special moment for us as your people. God, we are going to come forward and to take steps to commit to you. For some of us, this is the first time we've ever done something like this. For some of us, this still feels a little uncertain. But God, in these next moments, let us trust you. As we fill out our cards, as we commit to give great sacrifices to you, God, God, we ask that you bless our commitments. Bless us as a people to be so committed to your work in this world, to be so committed to acknowledging your presence in our lives, that the joy that exudes from us would be deafening in our city, deafening in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, and in our schools. God, ultimately, we ask that you use us. Our resources, our efforts, our energies, our very lives. Use it for your purposes, God. And help us to bring people home to you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for listening. If you live in the Dallas area, we would love for you to visit us. For directions, service times, and more info, visit us at grove.org.